Well, good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program, the Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools, and we're here every Saturday at noon to defend and to promote public education and doesn't it need defending and promoting with the current block we've got in Canberra. I think public education and uh, the climate matters really need a change of government. We could easily do better. So we've got a press release, 891. Private schools are a protected species for the Morrison government and the Canberra bureaucrats. Trevor Cobalt has been very busy from Save Our Schools and we want to tell you about his findings. First of all, the, um, the numbers have gone up on the ACARA My School website. Remember, in the last couple of weeks, we've been able, unable to give you information about great state schools because the ACARA website was down. Well, now it's up and the 2020 figures are available. And... Um, so Trevor has been very, very busy with those. As well as that, there has been another Auditor-General's report which says that there is just not enough accountability. But it seems that Auditor-General reports are just ignored by private schools. So we think that private schools are a protected species. So we'll go now to um, Oliver, who's going to read us the first part of our press release 891. Over to you, Oliver. Thank you, Jean. Trevor Cobold from Save Our Schools has looked at the latest ACARA figures, which are proof of the Morrison government's blatant favouritism of the private sector and also analysed the sector's equally blatant lack of accountability under government legislation. He says, it seems that private schools are a protected species for the Commonwealth government and its Department of Education. How long can the government and the department be allowed to drag its feet on meeting its obligations under the Education Act? Private schools must be fully accountable for their taxpayer funding. The 2021 to 2022 federal budget continu continues federal favoritism of the private sector. As part of regular fund funding transfers, school funding to non-government schools increased from 13 billion in 2020 to 2021 to 14.7 billion in 2021 to 22. On the same basis, government school funding increases from 9 billion to 9.7 billion. Can you stop there for school? a minute? To stop for a minute. Listen to those figures. 66% almost of children, two thirds of the children of Australia go to government schools. And they get 66, 9 billion, and 9.7 billion in the next year. Whereas the children in private schools who constitute at the most 34%, 33%, one third, they get 14, 13 billion and an extra 1.7 billion in 2021, 22. Just think about it. They are definitely a protected and favoured species. Uh, sorry, uh, Oliver, for cutting in. <laughs> Please yeah. cut in as much as you like. You're right, they are very protected. But this fiscal imbalance is merely a continuation of federal government policy, according to Trevor Cobol. Figures recently published in the Australian Curriculum Assessment and Reporting Authority, ACARA, on its national report on schooling data portal show that income per student of Catholic and independent schools is much higher than for public schools and that their income has increased six to eight times that of public schools since 2009. 
The increasing resource advantage of private schools is mainly due to much larger government funding increases than for public schools. The resource advantage of private schools is projected to accelerate over the rest of the decade to 2029. Commonwealth funding for private schools will increase under special deals not available to public schools and bilateral funding agreements between them and the Commonwealth allow the states to continue to underfund public schools. The income per student in independent schools in 2019 was over 50% higher than for public schools, $23,956 per student compared to $15,520 per student in public schools. Catholic school income per student was at $17,153, was over 10% higher than in public schools. Let's just total- stop there. Shall we just stop there and think about that again? The income per student of independent schools in 2019 was over 50% higher than for public schools. They averaged over, well, 24,000 per student and only 15,500 per student in public schools. And Catholic schools income per student at 17.1 thousand was over 10% higher than for public schools. So this is just blatant favouritism. It, perhaps it's time for economic and efficiency reasons to just take these schools over. They're too expensive. Okay, keep going, please. <laughs> it does seem fairly blatant. The total income of independent schools far exceeded that of public schools in all states. The gap was particularly large in Victoria and New South Wales. In Victoria, the income of independent schools was $11,528 per student higher or 80% higher than that of public schools. In New South Wales, the income of independent schools was 60% higher than for public schools. The income of Catholic schools was also exceeded that of public schools in all states. The largest gap was in Tasmania, where the income of Catholic schools was $2,744 per student higher than in public schools. The gap in Victoria was $2,707 per student, 19%. In the Northern Territory, the income gap favoring Catholic schools was $2,421 per student, 10% higher. Back to you, Jane. Yes, well, um, that just shows you that these schools are now much more expensive to run for the taxpayer than uh, they are for the um, public schools. But we'll have a bit of a break now and um, we'll come back and... uh, I think Maddie and Sol have got a few more things to tell us. Three CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser launches in June, and this year we're asking you to be part of community-powered radio. It's only with your support that we're able to be independent, community-controlled, and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference, and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon. Show your support during June 2021. 3CR Community Powered Radio. Well, you're listening to the Dogs Program and uh, before the break, we were giving you lots of facts and figures. Now, we don't apologise for giving you facts and figures because these are very important facts and figures that prove 
that private schools for the Morrison government are a very, very special and protected species. There might be a lot of um, extinction going on in the uh, animal world in Australia, but not in the private school world. But uh, Maddie and Sorrel have got a few more things to tell you. Thank you, Jean. Yes, uh, the resource gaps have changed dramatically since 2009. And in that year, the income per student uh, for independent schools across Australia was 36% higher than in public schools, compared to 54% higher in 2019. In 2009, income per student in public schools was 6% higher than in Catholic schools. But by 2019, Catholic school income was 11% higher than in public schools. It's only 10 years. The, private re the primary reason for this change was much larger increases in government funding for private schools than for public schools. Government, both Commonwealth and state funding for private schools, adjusted for inflation. It increased by four times that for public schools. Government funding for Catholic schools increased by $1,919 per student and by $1,893 for independent schools, compared to only $469 per student in public schools. The new figures show that government funding increases continue to be misdirected to the more privileged Catholic and independent schools. Public schools cater for the vast majority of the most disadvantaged students which is, you know, low SES, Indigenous, high disability and remote area students. In 2019, public schools enrolled 82% of low SES students, 84% of Indigenous students, 76% of high disability students and 82% of remote area students. They are massive figures. What you're saying there is that even though there are a few disadvantaged students in the Catholic sector, not too many in the independent sector, they're not getting the funding because the Catholic sector itself is giving favouritism to the wealthy schools. They, yes, never did care. they never did care about the policy of need. Their policy not. is greed. That is 100% right. The funding needs to be obviously redirected. No, equity is our goal. So public schools face the prospect of being underfunded indefinitely under the current arrangements. Uh, Commonwealth funding increases will continue to heavily favour private schools until at least the end of the decade, while the other states will continue to underfund public schools and several will continue to overfund private schools. This will continue to condemn the large majority of disadvantaged students to a lesser education than their advantaged peers. This leads to lower school completion rates, higher unemployment, lower incomes, lower health outcomes and less access to positions of power and influence in society for disadvantaged students. School funding policies thereby contribute to the social reproduction of inequality in our society. It is an appalling social injustice, but it's also a drag on Australia's economic growth and prosperity because education is a key factor in this. Over to you, Sorrel. Thank you very much, Maddie. To continue, to add insult to injury, Trevor Cobalt points out that yet another damning report by the Auditor-General shows that the Commonwealth Department of Education continues to fail to fully hold private school systems accountable for how they distribute taxpayer funding. 
It also criticises the Minister for Education and the Department for failing to meet their parliamentary reporting obligations. The report found that the Department has made minor improvements since the 2017 report of the Audit Office castigated the Department for failing to ensure accountability and transparency in funding of private schools. However, the new report found that the Department is still not fully meeting its legislative responsibilities eight years after the Australian Education Act was implemented. So that means that there was a 2017 report, I think there was an earlier report too, this is the Commonwealth, not the state, there have been state uh, Auditor General reports also, this is the Commonwealth in 2017, and they have been virtually ignored uh, by the Education Department in Canberra because under the current ministers, they know that um, the Catholic Education Officers and the independent schools just have to be let alone to do exactly what they want with taxpayer money. This is, remember, this is our money. This is the money that we pay the government particularly the income tax that everybody pays if they work. Yeah. Sorry, Sol, if you keep No, going. thank you for that interjection. That's very valuable information. Uh, the Department's administration of legislative requirements to gain assurance that funding has been allocated, used and distributed in accordance with the requirements is partially effective. The department does not yet effectively support the transparency of Australian government funding allocations as prescribed in the Act. In other words, the department is breaking the law, as it has done since 2013, when the Education Act was implemented. The main failure is that the department evades its obligations to ensure that the taxpayer funding is distributed in accordance with need by private school systems. The department does not analyse school funding allocation data to gain assurance that funding is distributed in accordance with need. As the report says, a key objective of the Education Act is the distribution of taxpayer funds according to need. Analysis of distribution by system authorities would provide assurance that funding is distributed in accordance with need. Yeah, the department has constantly failed to ensure this since 2013. The Auditor General's previous report and a bipartisan report by the Joint Committee of Public Accounts of the Parliament in 2019 highlighted this failure and recommended the Department strengthen its analysis of the distribution of funding by private school systems. However, the new report found that the Department has not conducted any work since February 2018 to compare how the funding was allocated by the government for individual schools and provided to system authorities compared with the amounts distributed by authorities to those schools. This is a public scandal and amounts to contempt of the parliament. The department, presumably at the behest of successive coalition ministers, has willfully ignored the requirements of the Education Act and recommendations of both the Auditor General and the Joint Committee of Public Accounts. This blatant disregard of the law should be a sackable offence for the minister and the senior officials of the department. The Auditor General also found that the department is not meeting legislative reporting requirements to the parliament. 
The department does not ensure the legislative requirement to report publicly on the application of any financial assistance paid to an approved authority is met. The department claims that its annual report and the information provided on the MySchool website provides sufficient information to meet the requirements of the Education Act. The Auditor General rejected this argument. The information in the department's annual report only presents the total amount of recurrent funding paid to public and private schools and does not provide a breakdown of funding by system authority or school. While the My School website records funding amounts distributed by system authorities to individual schools, it does not provide the funding amounts allocated by the government for these schools. Therefore, the website does not allow for comparisons to ensure that systems are distributing funding in accordance with the government allocation. The Auditor General's report said an annual report should be presented to Parliament that outlines the funding provided to a school authority and how this funding has been applied by the authority in order to meet the requirements of the Education Act. It noted that prior to 2013, the department produced the annual report on financial assistance to schools, known as the Green Report, which provided a detailed breakdown of school-level funding and enabled a comparison between schools, authorities, school sectors, and jurisdictions. However, this was discontinued under the Abbott government. Yes, so the actual accountability has been on a downward spiral since 1969, as far as I can tell. In 1969, you could actually work out exactly how much money went to each school because it went to each school. But then the Catholic education authorities came in uh, as a conduit in in the middle and so did the state governments. And certainly from 1973, under the Whitlam government, it became obfuscated. It was almost impossible to work out what was happening to public money, Um, although it was quite obvious that a large amounts were going to the wealthy schools and the poor schools, the poor parish schools, were being kept very poor still. They were examples of poor parish schools. Uh, they were starved funds. And it's been so ever since from what we can see. Uh, it's been a very unequal and unfair system as far as the private schools have been concerned. Um, so thank you very much. Uh, we'll have a bit of a break now, and then Dale has got some other matters to to uh, tell you. Kafias are Palestinian scarves, and they're a symbol of support for justice for the Palestinian people. Buying one will support the last remaining factory in Hebron that makes kafias, and all proceeds from the sales support projects in Palestine, especially Gaza, as well as local solidarity organisations. From the traditional black and white kafia to an array of modern designs, all scarves are just $30 each. Explore the range and order online or drop by 3CR during business hours. Wear your support for the rights of Palestinians. Go to kafias.org.au. That's K-U-F-I-Y-A-S.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Well, 
you're listening still to the dogs program and we we hope you're still with us because it's a pretty meaty program we have been talking in our press release 891 about the actual figures which indicate that the morrison government regards the private schools as a protected species uh, they are given enormous amounts of money which is now amounting to well over um, 14 15 billion a year and there's, it's almost open slather with no accountability. And the Auditor-General, twice in the last three, four years, has written a report uh, saying it's just not good enough. The needs policy is, is a hoax because the wealthy are getting wealthier and the poorer are getting poorer. But um, we're now going to talk about a previous Auditor-General's report and Dale will tell you about that. Over to you, Dale. Thank you, Jean. Yes, uh, the previous report of the Auditor-General found weaknesses in the department's mechanisms for monitoring the compliance of private schools in meeting basic requirements on how funding is to be used. The new report found that issues relating to the sampling approach used to verify the financial questionnaire and the qualification requirements of the person submitting the block allocation report by schools have not been resolved. These ongoing problems reduce the level of assurance that funding is used in accordance with legislation. The latest report does note some progress in ensuring that school systems make their needs-based funding arrangements publicly available. The department has published a list of private school systems and links to their websites where their needs-based arrangement is published. However, inspection by Save Our Schools revealed that the links provided are only to the school system website and not to the relevant web page. Some searching is required to find the arrangements. Although there is considerable variation in the detail provided, information is generally available except in the case of a few small systems. Another improvement is that the department has now has reasonably effective mechanisms in place to, assure, to ensure accuracy in funding allocation. The department conducts a census post-enumeration exercise to gain assurance on non-government school census data. The purpose of the post-enumeration exercise is to verify the accuracy and completeness of census information provided by schools by surveying a sample of schools shortly after a census is complete. These mechanisms found a net overpayment to private schools of $20 million in 2019, down from $31 million in 2018. Golly, that's extraordinary. That's a lot of money. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure what this is code for, but I'm reading that um, there's a number of schools that are just telling plain lies about their enrolments. And remember the uh, furfies that were being thrown about, about uh students with disability and, and the extra funding that some of the private schools were uh, fiddling from the government. Yes. Uh, that, yes. uh, that's yes. around that period as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, these, these, uh, these institutions are talking about values, but one wonders about their values when it comes to uh, being uh, 
careful with public money. Well, that's that's the risk with uh, neoliberalism, isn't it? Because uh, your values have they are turned towards individualism as opposed to a, a sense of community. Anything goes, yes. Anyway, keep going, Deb. To continue, the previous Auditor-General's report found that weaknesses in funding monitoring arrangements had undermined the department's ability to verify school data and assure that funding was used as prescribed under legislation. It recommended that the department establish a risk-based approach to monitoring compliance with requirements under the Act. The new report found that the department has developed a robust risk-based approach to monitoring compliance, but that its implementation is still in its early stages. Well, we'll watch watch that with interest, won't we? Very much so. Despite these recent improvements, the Education Department and a succession of Ministers for Education have a woeful record of adhering to the legislative financial accountability and transparency requirements relating to the funding of private schools. Eight years after the implementation of the Education Act, the public is still not assured that private school systems distribute taxpayer funding according to need. Moreover, the department continues not to fully report to the parliament on funding provided to schools. Well, I have a department. That's why you have a department, so that they can actually account for the um, the monies, the public monies. That's their main job. Mm. It seems that private schools are a protected species for the Commonwealth Government and its Department of Education. How long can the government and the department be allowed to drag its feet on meeting its obligations under the Education Act? Private schools must be fully accountable for the taxpayer funding. Well, if they're not, then we shouldn't give them any funding. That's what the dog's position is. But just to round off, to round off uh, this very long uh, press release, but again, we're not making any um, any apologies because we know that our listeners are very intelligent people and want to know what is going on. So we go to some trouble to let them know the facts and the figures. They won't get anywhere else, not even on the ABC. So this is Dogs' view of government policy. The Morrison government has proved itself to be pragmatic rather than ideological in many areas, including education. Morrison will trim his sails to the prevailing winds of the strongest lobbying group, whether it's the Catholic Education Office or the gas lobby. In education, this is the Catholic Church. So what does the Catholic sector want? It wants immediate expansion and untold, unaccountable billions running annually from the federal government anyway at um, nearly 15 billion and altogether at least 19 to 20 billion per annum. Now, according to the NAB Group Economics, I found this, I thought this was a very interesting statement. Before the budget papers came out, They were in Canberra lobbying. And in terms of school education, the National Catholic Education Commission, 
continued to urge the government to increase the capital funding allocations to meet the capital funding needs stemming from a rise in student numbers, as it has done in past years. Actually, the Catholic enrolment has been going down. In its January submission, the National Catholic Education Commission recommended stimulus funding for capital works for both schools and early childhood centres. So they're getting into early childhood as well. And the consistent application of funding for preschools. The NCEC, that's the National Catholic Education Commission, has a list of project proposals worth $1.02 billion for 21-22 alone. So they want money for new schools, even though their enrolments have, in fact, been going down. But Morrison is also a Pentecostal Christian, and these days all religious groups, whatever their belief system or cultural background, are happy to join the Catholic shock troops as they invade the public treasury. Losers in all this, of course, are the majority of Australian children, two-thirds of them in public schools, and our cohesive democratic society, because there's nothing democratic about any of this. Morrison rails against identity politics. But what is more guaranteed to produce a fractured society than schools that separate children on the basis of religious, cultural and class identity. I think that Morrison is the biggest promoter of identity politics that we have ever seen. So that's the dog's position on all of this. And we'll have a bit of a break after that pretty um, demanding press release. But we have to thank Trevor Caldwell for all the work that he's done, of course. And we'll have a bit of a break. And when, when we come back, we're going to tell you about Public Education Day. And just before we go, I'd like to remind our listeners that all of our press releases are available at our website. So if you'd like to double check any of the figures that we've mentioned, they're all up there for you to see at www.adogs.info. So anything that you've heard that you might think, what's that? Check out the website, check out the press release and do some research and you'll find that it's all sadly true. Get ready to add your support during our annual Radiothon and be part of Community Powered Radio. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2021. To donate, call 03 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon, Community Powered Radio. Well, you're still listening to the Dogs Program, I hope. And uh, after that break, we'd like to remind you that in a couple of weeks, we're going to be coming to your hip pocket nerve to keep 3CR on air. Uh, and the dogs will need to also be kept on air if 
you want to, to continue to get all the information we bring you week after week. But next week, is, there is going to be a very special day. The Australian Education Union uh, is preparing for it, and Oliver will tell you about it. Thank you, Jean. Public Education Day, the 27th of May, is a time to recognise the central role that public schools, preschools and TAFEs play in strengthening the social, economic and cultural fabric of our society. Free, public and secular education is the key to a vibrant, socially cohesive, multicultural and democratic Australia. Public education is a public good, one which contributes a collective benefit to society as well as to individuals. It brings together students from a range of diverse backgrounds and creates a cohesive community by transforming lives and equipping young people with the skills, knowledge and attitudes for citizenship. Public education builds equity, hope and opportunity for every child. Australia's public schools, preschools and TAFEs are inclusive and provide lifelong benefits to students through access to education, improved health, well-being and employment. Public education ensures the right of every student to access a high quality education. In order to, to fulfill this purpose, public education must be sufficiently resourced to focus on equity and equality in opportunity. In the lead up to Public Education Day, Thursday the 27th of May, please join us on Twitter and Facebook as we celebrate and acknowledge principals, teachers, education and support staff. Now I'll throw it to Maddie, Sorrell and Dale to read some comments on the article. Thank you, Ollie. Yes, I would like to read out a few comments um, from some prominent Australians. And Marilyn Parker has said, the professionalism, resilience and creativity of our public school teachers have never been more obvious to us. The majority of Australian families who send our children to public schools. And then Alan Reid has said, public education has been central to the fight against COVID-19 in 2020. From the outset, and even as the health strategy changed as circumstances changed, Public school educators acted in the same spirit in which public schools were established. Jason Kimberley has said, during the current COVID-19 crisis, my organisation, Cool Australia, worked closely with public education teachers to ascertain our 200 most useful classroom lessons to convert into at-home learning activities for parents and caregivers. And uh, Amanda Graham, has said, when our twins year one teacher greeted them one Friday morning, dressed up as an explorer, my husband and I knew our children were in good hands. John Falzon says, a well-funded, fully resourced public education system is the cornerstone of a strong democracy and a fair society. It is really important that we celebrate Public Education Day. This year with the outbreak of COVID-19, it has been a telling reminder of how important public education is. Ain't that the truth? Jay Weatherhill says, universal free public education is one of the great social democratic achievements of our nation. Michael Kirby says, recent advent of COVID-19 has imposed added pressures on public schools, their staff and students. However, the shining values of public education have continued and even strengthened. Leslie Podesta says, education is a human right, as well as a public good and a public responsibility. Without a properly funded and considered 
public education system. Australian society is at grave risk of endemic poverty, inequality, brutality, and injustice. Over to you, Starl, for some more comments. Thank you very much, Maddie. All right, I have a comment from Professor Larissa Berendt. Uh, She was the first Aboriginal Harvard Law graduate, and she has spoken out about how important public education is in her life. I don't think I would have ever been picked as most likely to go to Harvard Law School. As an Aboriginal person, you have to really fight. And I remember one time when I was in Redfern and I heard one of the kids at the school say, I'm going to go to Harvard like that Aboriginal girl. Most people have a teacher that had some significance for them. My English teacher, Miss O'Sullivan, was somebody who really shaped my confidence. I was encouraged to have a voice and to be passionate about what's right and wrong, to be able to go from Kirrawee High School through to an elite law school in this country and then to Harvard Law School, I think shows that the public system was everything that I needed. This is what a girl from the Shire can do. Passy Salberg has said, in my global education mission, I've often been asked, what is the most important thing you learnt in school? Much of what was taught to me, I have forgotten, but one lesson will always stay with me. Julia Gillard said, I became, I first became a supporter of public education in 1967. That was the year when, as a terrified five-year-old migrant girl with continuing traces of a Welsh accent, I started at Mitcham Infant School. David Gonski has written, Even though I was only seven when we emigrated to Australia, I still remember it. Times were tough for my parents, who had four children under eight living in a very small rented flat. Within a week of arriving in Sydney, I was sent to the local public school. Jane Caro has said for Public Education Day 2020, the riskiest thing any of us ever do is to be born. None of us have any control over the circumstances of our birth, including who our parents are. That is why a strong, well-resourced, excellent public education system available to every child, regardless of their luck or otherwise, in the lottery of birth is so fundamental to a civil society and to democracy itself. Happy Public Education Day. David Hetherington has shared his thanks. Hi everyone. To celebrate Public Education Day, on behalf of all at the Public Education Foundation, we'd like to express our thanks and our admiration to all the public school teachers, principals, administrators and department staff out there. Throughout this extraordinary period as schools have closed and are now reopening, your commitment has been exceptional, your energy has been extraordinary and we've been privileged to work alongside you to support our public education system and the students it serves. Putting students first is a core value of public education, and I think you've lived that to the fullest. Um, The commitment to equity and excellence has been visible throughout, and we're privileged to work alongside you in this great system of ours. Take care, stay safe, teachers rock, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Bye. Dr. David Zignia has said that as the founder of the Public Education Network, I wish to acknowledge the positive contributions that public school teachers make to the lives of children and young people. Their families and communities need to be widely recognised. 
Now over to you, Dale, for some more comments from prominent Australians. Thank you, Sorrel. Yes, Annie Butler has joined in and said, I'm so pleased to be celebrating Public Education Day and everything that public education means for Australia. I didn't go to a public school myself, but that wasn't my choice. It was my parents' choice. When it was my choice for my children, I chose the public school system. Joe Schofield says, Public schools are at the heart of our community. They are places full of hope, of learning, and most importantly, of equity and inclusion. And Craig Rucastle talked about how his public school shaped his career and concept of social justice. Professor Peter Doherty said the best thing that could come out of COVID-19 is that we reevaluate, then change many of the ways we are doing things. At the forefront of that is the need to fund the public education sector properly, from schools to TAFEs to universities. David Bartlett says, I consider myself very fortunate. Not only did I get the opportunity to attend three great Tasmanian public schools, Mount Nelson Primary, Taruna High and Hobart College, but I also have the opportunity to send my own children to great Tasmanian public schools. Mark Zernsack said, free, edu free public education funded through a fair tax system is vital for a decent society. It is one of the key elements to putting a break on the growing inequality in our community and across the globe. In times of uncertainty and disruption, it's a good thing to remind ourselves, ourselves of what matters. Public Education Day provides just such a reminder to me, both in a personal and professional sense. Carmen Lawrence said, this week is an opportunity to celebrate the strengths of our public schools and commend the many who make it possible, the teachers, support staff and administrators, and to remind ourselves of why quality public education is so important to our national and personal well-being. And now we'll hear a little bit from Sally McManus, who is talking about Public Education Day. I'm a proud product of the public education system in our country all the way through from primary school. A strong public education system is essential to fair and equal societies. That's why we need to support it. Today I'd like to give a shout out to those teachers who made a difference for me from primary school and high school. So thank you Miss Riley, Miss Truelove and Mr Brown. You made a big difference. Public education is liberation. Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter.
experienced teachers have had their qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government-funded primary school education and of a government-funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's still not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. You've been listening to the Dogs Program and it's been quite a big program this this, uh, this afternoon. And before the break, you were listening to Sally Matt-Bannis um, celebrating Public Education Day, which is next week on the 28th of May. But um, before we go to our great state school, which is a school that's very close to my heart, because uh, one of my grandchildren is going to start going there next year. So I'm very interested in this particular school uh, and Maddie is going to tell us about it. I'd like to talk about another issue that's come up this week, NAPLAN. Uh, our children have been sitting for NAPLAN test, tests in the last week or so. And uh, this is a very important test uh, for ACARA, for the My School website, but also for the OECD. But the Gonski Institute at the University of New South Wales, along with large numbers of public school teachers, question that plan. Uh, these testing procedures, which uh, whereby schools sometimes seek to sell themselves. Uh, but um, not everybody agrees with them, particularly the right-wing people, particularly even Noel Pearson who seems to be going more and more right-wing every time I read him. But the, the Gonski Institute has drawn quite a lot of blood. And I've got a, a very interesting article in front of me here from the um, Wednesday, 19th of May, Financial Review, in which they tell me that Australia will return to the top of international test rankings only if NAPLAN's part of the National Armoury to improve the individual student school and system-wide performance. Huh. Uh, well, more than one million students have undertook NAPLAN last week, with 700,000 doing it online, actually. But the 13-year-old test continues to attract criticism as academics and unions condemn it because it promotes undue stress levels in students. Uh, Peter Goss, an education consultant the PwC says that moves to regain, regain ground on the Organisation of Economic Development's program for international student assessment, that's PISA, would be impossible without that plan. Well, in April, the Education Minister, Alan Tudge, set the goal of returning Australia to the top of PISA within a decade. <laughs> well, he won't do that with his current funding uh, arrangements. We can assure him of that. Mm. Uh, you know, of course, he tells us that the funding wars are over. Punch the punch. But um, we could use other words too that may have uh, actually rhyme with punch. It's an interesting one to do rhymes with, isn't it? That punch name. Mm -hmm. but, 
Uh, yes, you can't judge systemic change, they reckon, without a systemic test. But this is all part of, part and parcel of the, um, the desire to test, 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 test and get data that they can uh, somehow evaluate teachers and students with. But um, the uh, Gonski Institute have come up with a report. Rachel Wilson has, has written it, and she says that her report and her criticism of NAPLAN was evidence-based and there were numerous detrimental side effects of NAPLAN, including undue stress on students and teachers, unnecessary attention to NAPLAN preparation, the creation of league tables from the My Schools website and its heavy focus on numeracy and literacy. By removing the negatives, the Argonsky Institute wants to build opportunities for student learning. They want to improve NAPLAN. There are better contemporary educational assessment tools available. And NAPLAN was just never designed for assessment for learning, certainly not for inquiry. Last year, a list of 24 schools that consistently achieved above average results in NAPLAN was released. So it's, it's a bit like the HSC. They're evaluating schools on, on what the students do. So, of course, the results are highly questionable because some schools suggest that certain students stay away on the day of the test, don't they? But uh, that's all very interesting. Meanwhile, Mr Pearson up in Gulf Country is saying what we all knew that the best sort of learning is done by uh, having a teacher in front of the class. Uh, I find this very interesting indeed because public schools know how important our public school teachers are and how wonderful they are too. And that's why we will be celebrating our teachers on Public Education Day next week. But now let's go to this very special school. Over to you, Maddie. Every week on the Doctor Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Our great state school of this week is Kensington Primary School. And this school has been in the local news in the last week because it is an old school, which is unfortunately falling into disrepair. When a piece of concrete the size of someone's fist broke off and plummeted to the ground, it was a miracle that no one was hurt. And students have even been forced to sell their old toys just to raise enough for basic repairs. Isn't that shocking? The school has paid to fix most of the urgent safety issues, including non-compliant guttering, replacing an unsafe playground, treating a termite problem, and installing air conditioning. But these are surface problems and the underlying issues remain. Kids and parents have literally been paying for things that core funding should fix, like leaky gutters and toilets. However, Miss Sandal is really hopeful that the school would attract the necessary funding in the state budget. Who's Miss Sandal? Who's yeah. Miss Sandal? She's the Greens candidate, or she's the Greens MP, isn't she? 
Yes, yes, she is. Um, and dogs note it will not attract any crumbs from the private school table in the latest Morrison budget. But the community, which is not a poor downtrodden community, has fought back. They are demanding that the Victorian School Building Authority allocate $1.5 million in the upcoming state budget to fix it. The push is spearheaded by Green State MP Ellen Sandal, who has been campaigning to fix the 140-year-old heritage-listed school since 2018. So, Minister for Education James Merlino has visited the school after it was raised by Sandal in Parliament. The school community has been raising money to fix basic requirements. So what more can we tell you about this school? The community, although it has housing commission residents, is not a poor one, and they are sending their children to this school, which has a good reputation. It has an Ixia value of 1,412, the average being 1,000. So 61% of the parents come from the upper income quartile and 23% from the second quartile. 7% are the very poorest families in the community and 1% are Indigenous. But 35% do not have English as their first language. The NAPLAN results are very creditable with reading above the average, but 507 students are being educated on a government shoestring. The federal government provides only $1 million approximately, the state $4 million approximately again, and um, fees raise $267,000 approximately, and private funds raised are $234,000. This means that it costs altogether $10,928 per student to educate a child at this public school. Bargain. It is an absolute bargain, and they have a brilliant reputation as well. Well, what I find very interesting is that there's actually quite a lot of reasonably well-to-do um, young families in this area. Uh, there, there are a lot of public yeah, education. There's fairly new um, house, uh, houses on the old Flemington um, cattle yards. Mm, mm. And uh, they're not sending their children to private schools. They're sending them to the local public school and they're not going to put up with second-class buildings. Mm. They like their heritage buildings, all right, but they want them properly cared for and they're prepared to fight and they're also prepared to send a Greens MP into Parliament. Very interesting school. I think they're setting a very good example for the upper class of Australia, don't you? Yes, I do. <laughs> because we're in it together. Our children are in it together and we need them to be educated together. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's our great state school, Kensington Primary School. And there's one very happy grandmother here because my uh, Lachlan will be going to that school next year. And uh, I think that's, a, that's really something quite special. But uh, our time is running out. We'd like to remind you that in June, mid-June, we'll be coming to you for our usual Radiothon. And we also remind you that uh, there is Public Education Day on the 28th. But um, if you want to go to our website to find out all of those facts and figures we've thrown at you today, 
go to www.adogs.info. But from Dale and Madeline May and Sorrel and Oliver, it's bye for now. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.